Hey folks, SH1T coming to you live, drinking On On Ardberg, a nice smoky whiskey, um, very good. I talk sports, I talk news, I have a new intro, and breaking news, um, just as I was recording this podcast, Kobe Bryant dead at 41, crazy, rest in peace man. He accomplished more than I could hope to accomplish in three lifetimes, uh, apparently it was a helicopter crash, uh, all five on board dead, so... Uh, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Uh, pray for your family. Uh, that's just terrible news. On to the podcast. folks welcome to the spore report starting with the nfl i'm glad to say that i was 2-0 on the old calls uh, a lot of people listened to the second podcast i did last weekend not so many of the first don't get it i don't know who knows i thought the first one was a lot better than the second one just saying but uh yeah we called it uh picked it out right now it's the niners and the chiefs in the old super bowl chiefs a one point favorite two point favorite i'm taking the niners in this one Uh, I think they're just the better team and that they will, uh, you know, do great things. AFC, NFC, Pro Bowl, nobody cares. ESPN didn't even capitalize NFC and AFC. Uh, Let's go down to Super Bowl, see what the line is right now. And it's Kansas City by one. Uh, I think the Niners are just going to win this one outright. So I would take them. Uh, Apparently Kansas City is a huge favorite according to the statistics. Uh, don't know they're not even doing an over under so that's what i'll stick with over under is 54 and a half so i think that would be uh i take niners in the over on that one right now so get it in the national basketball association lebron james passed kobe on the nba scoring list and Kawhi got his first career triple double Go for that. Uh, their All-Star Game's coming up quite shortly. Don't know when. Don't care why. Uh, in the old standings, the Milwaukee Bucks still run it. Eight and a half over the Heat, or surprising number two. Uh, Raptors in the three. Boston, Indy, uh, Philadelphia, Orlando, and Brooklyn holding a three-game lead over Chicago for the final eight seed. Uh, real tight there. Like Milwaukee's running away with it, but pretty tight uh, between the... Two to six seed, only two games separate those teams. And then seven and eight, uh, way back. Uh, Lakers, three and a half over the Jazz. Uh, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, uh, Mavericks, Thunder, and then the Grizzlies. San Antonio, half game back of Memphis. Uh, Not much room separating two through four seeds. And then not much room separating five through seven seeds. And then you got eight and on uh, going uh, trying to get that final eight spot. Golden State, 10 and 37, 26 and a half back on the bottom of the Western Conference. Uh, sorry, Steph Curry and all his other teams. NCAA men's going for the rankings. Um, apparently, there was a fight between Kansas Kansas State. That's old news. They're going to bench those people. Baylor, Big 12 team, 15 and 1 at the top of the AP 25. Gonzaga, Kansas, San Diego State at 19 and 0. And Florida State at 16-2, rounding out your top five. Uh, San Diego State, the only undefeated team in the top 
uh, 25 uh, that I can see. Let's run over to good old Texas A&M, see how they're doing. I promised I would stop including them in these rules, but I just can't do it. I uh, just want to embarrass the SEC as best I can. Uh, so if you haven't realized or noticed, this is definitely a SEC-biased podcast. SEC, SEC. I'd be pet. I'd be uh, losing viewers if I was a and was still in the uh, Big 12. Uh, LSU at 6-0, running the show. Uh, Kentucky 5-1. Texas A&M at 3-3, surprising 99 for the season. I don't know why they keep winning, but uh, I want to say that 1-2-3. I want to say all the teams make it. Uh, all 14 make it to the postseason tournament. A&M lost to uh, out-of-conference game Ohio State or Oklahoma State. That was the Big 12 SEC uh, challenge or whatever. They beat Missouri 6-6-64, lost to South Carolina. So there was only two games since the last podcast. Um, they traveled to Georgia on the first, and then they play at home against Missouri uh, in a revenge game for them on the fifth, and then they get South Carolina again uh, at South Carolina on the eighth. Those are their next couple of games. Uh, A&M doing surprisingly quite well in the SEC. I thought they'd be doing worse, but they're at 500. So 500 for the season and 500 for the thing. So they won't make the – there's no way they'll make the NIT. There's no way they'll make the uh, uh, tournament. So uh, Cyborg apparently won. She stepped out of UFC and went down to Bellator and won a title again. Yay for her. Curtis Blades beat DeSantos in a second-round knockout. And he wants a title shot at the heavyweight. Uh, that's going to be a second since John Jones or Stipe Miocic. Uh, and then you have the uh, the French dude that just kills people with his hands. Uh, da, 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 da. And then, what is it? The UFC fight night. Blades beat Dos Santos. Chesea beat Dos Anjos. And then called out Colby Covington. Uh, Perez beats Espinosa, don't know who they are. Hill defeats Cyphers, uh, don't know. TKO elbows. And then uh, Hill, 7-0, defeated Stosic in a decision, 29-28, unanimous. Uh, that's about it there. Uh, Nate Diaz trying to select his next opponent. I think it's McGregor Masvidal. That's the fight to make uh, between those two. There's no, there's no desire at all. Less desire to see uh, Nurmagomedov destroy McGregor again. So we'll see. They're putting their best fighters on ice because a bunch of guys are coming up, but it is what it is. Australian Open round of um, 16, making it that far. I'm not quite sure if they're playing indoors, if they truncated the schedule based on um, the fires and everything that's going on in Australia. Uh, Djokovic's still in it. A bunch of women uh, got eliminated, um, like Serena Williams. A bunch of young 15, 16-year-old uh, uh, tennis players are actually leading the charge, so maybe they're passing the torch. Who knows? Uh, you come to this podcast for the insightful views on women's tennis. Uh, NHL. Uh, yeah, their All-Star game's coming up as well. Um, Ovechkin apparently not going to make it there, so let's go to the standings. See where your good old Dallas Stars are. Uh, Boston, eight-point lead over Tampa, the Lightning, and then the Panthers uh, round up the top five in the Eastern Atlantic Conference. Uh, Toronto, 57 points in that one. But to no avail because they will not be making the playoffs. It would be all for the Metropolitan. 
Uh, Capitals with a four-point lead over the Pens. Uh, Islanders round up the top three with the Blue Jackets and the Hurricanes uh, getting the top two wildcard spots. But the Flyers only a point back from Carolina, so plenty to play there. Uh, in the Western Conference, St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas in the top three in the Central, 68-62-58. Uh, Six-point lead for the Blues. Uh, and then Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary, an all-Canadian uh, Pacific League with uh, it's super tight. Five teams within a point of each other. Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, uh, Arizona, and Vegas. Uh, One-point lead for Vancouver, and then five teams, or sorry, four teams at 57. That would mean that uh, all those teams would make the playoffs however you sort that. Vegas fired their fucking coach for some reason. Uh, I know I alluded to that uh, last time. That's your sport report, folks. Enjoy. Headed off to some good old news. What would you do different? Uh, I'd probably say to take the same route with all my troubles and stuff because that's what made me. Uh, but I'd probably uh, I'd keep all everything else. Probably my same kids just just a few of baby mothers. I probably would have put the same, I should have feel like I should have skeeted in the same woman and put them all in her instead of being so young. And, you know, you got to watch out for that, you know, having kids at a young age like that. All right. Uh, breaking news. I just saw this or this just came across the wire. Kobe Bryant apparently passed away or died in a helicopter crash, killing five in Calabasas County in california apparently is an avid uh passenger on these helicopter flights and uh he's dead he is the greatest one of the greatest top five uh, all-time basketball players um scored 81 points in a game uh that one time uh i don't know controversial figure you know you love him or hate him type thing but hands down uh 41 years old uh great player it's fucking sad. Didn't expect to start the day off like this, but so be it. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, rest in peace. Uh, you know, I don't. I guess I'll just start with the impeachment talk or impeachment quotes. Just kind of doesn't make any sense or matter right now to do that. But uh, yeah, God bless Kobe, and uh, we'll just lead off with uh, good old cocaine Mitch, the boring guy, making sense of all this other fun stuff that's going on. Likewise, Senate Democratic leader recently said that as long as he can try to use the trial process to hurt some Republicans' re-election chances, quote, it's a win-win. That's what this is all about. The Democratic leader just laid it right out there in case anybody had any doubt. What a revealing admission. Forget about the fate of the presidency, forget about the Constitution, as long as the process helps Democrats' political fortunes our colleagues, Democratic colleagues, call it a win-win. Do these sound like leaders who are really, who really believe we're in a constitutional crisis? One that requires the most severe remedy in our entire system of government? Do you sound like that? Here's how deep we have come into bizarro world. The latest Democratic talking point is that if the Senate conducts a trial based on what the House itself looked at, we'll be engaged in a cover-up. Did you get that? Unless the Senate steps outside our lane 
and takes it upon ourselves to supplement the House case, it's a cover-up. Do they think the entire country has forgotten what they were saying just a couple of days ago? We heard over and over that the House case, on its own, was totally damning and convincing. That's what they were saying a few days ago. Clearly, a majority of the House felt it was sufficient to impeach. And a number of Senate Democrats were happy to prejudge the case publicly and suggest the House had proven enough for removal. But now, Madam President, all of a sudden, the story has reversed. Now we hardly know anything. Now the investigation is just beginning. Now what the House has produced is so weak that they're calling their own investigation a cover-up. Who would be the author of this cover-up? Chairman Schiff? We've arrived at a simple contradiction. Two things cannot be both true. House Democrats' case cannot simultaneously be so robust that it was enough to impeach in the first place, but also so weak that the Senate needs to go fishing. If the existing case is strong, there's no need for the judge and the jury to reopen the investigation. If the existing case is weak, House Democrats should not have impeached in the first place. I think I'm beginning to understand why the Speaker wanted to change the subject to tax policy. But unfortunately, no matter how irresponsibly this has been handled across the Capitol, impeachment is not a political game. And the United States Senate will not treat it like one. So the it keeps going. It's all a ploy. Um, it's like he said there, you just, if you can hurt Republicans in it, which it's not. Trump's numbers keep going up. Uh, Democrats played their terrible hand. And if you're looking for consistency, you can find it on both both aisles. And the Clinton Clinton impeachment, uh, Republicans were saying things that they are reversing themselves on now in the Trump impeachment and vice versa. But since I'm a Republican hack and a conservative libtard, uh, I'm going to show you Biden and Pelosi, what they said during the Clinton impeachment and how hilarious it is. Um, just, it, it, you can't trust these people, folks. You can't do it. Right now we have a, a situation where any and all grievances that anybody ever had with the president are being heaped on and uh, talking about impeachment without even defining what the laws may have been that were broken with applying the facts to them uh, without even defining if even if those laws were broken, if that amounts to an impeachable offense. It's not about impeaching the president. It's about putting the country through that. I thought what the Republicans did to President Clinton was shameful, irresponsible, and wrong for the country. And what he did was stupid, but it had nothing to do with public policy and, and uh, his office, his responsibility and his office. I do think people could have made a case about President Bush, but I did not want to go down that path because of what it would mean for the American people. We just tried to impeach, well, we did impeach, but did not remove from office one president uh, 
in a very irresponsible manner, in my view, on the part of the Republicans in the House at the time. The Republican majority is not judging the president with fairness, but impeaching him with a vengeance. In the investigation of the president, fundamental principles which Americans hold dear, privacy, fairness, checks and balances, have been seriously violated. And why? Because we are here, as we are here today because the Republicans in the House are paralyzed with hatred of President Clinton, and until the Republicans free themselves of this hatred, our country will suffer. I rise to, un to oppose these unfair motions which call for the removal of the President of the United States from office. This is their president we are talking about. The President of the United States does not serve at the pleasure of the legislature does not serve at the pleasure of Joe Biden, does not serve at the pleasure of Henry Hyde, does not serve at the pleasure of the Congress, as a prime minister does in a parliamentary system. He is elected directly by the people of the United States of America. And the election of a president is the only nationwide vote the American people will ever cast. And that's a big deal. The American people don't think that they have made a mistake by electing Bill Clinton. And we in Congress had better be very careful before we upset their decision and make darn sure that we are able to convince them if we decide to upset their decision that our decision to impeach him was based upon principle and not politics. Article 1 is adopted. The, question, the question is on adoption of Article 2. So, yeah, I think it's on its, uh, I think impeachment's on its second or it's on its third day. Um, the Democrats or the Democratic side got up and basically cried for 22 hours, uh, three days straight. I want to say the play, the right play for the Republican side to make is just to open and close uh, the case. I think it's day two of the Republican side, and I hope and pray what I read was correct. They just went up there for eight hours or seven hours, you know, made their case and then shut it down. Came up with their six facts. Um, basically, uh, one of the senators is drafting a witness uh, requests for Schiff, the whistleblower, uh, Chalupa, and all these other fun people. I like, I kind of want, I want witnesses to be there. I want Biden. I want uh, both the Bidens, like what Schiff, Chalupa, uh, Caramella, uh, all of the all of the fun ones to get up there and testify or get cross-examined on the Trump impeachment Senate case because that would just be that would be riveting TV. Uh, but the Democrats don't want that to happen. They just want to see they want to continue the uh, House burden that they did. They want to play by the House rules in the Senate, but the Republicans don't have the Senate, so they can't do that. So now we get to see the other side of the coin. And I'd like to see those witnesses uh, there. Uh, Dershowitz um, is on the Republican side, and he makes the congressional case. And if he makes it, I don't know if he's going to make it in day two. But basically, uh, this is the case that he makes that it's even if all the facts were true and were not disputed, and everybody agreed with the Democrats that Trump did these things and blah, 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 still not impeachable. Here's Dershowitz. Just heard uh, Congressman Schiff right there call your position that even if these facts are proved, it's not impeachable absurdist. Well, it's the same position that was successfully argued by uh, former Justice Benjamin Curtis 
in the trial of Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson was impeached in part for non-criminal conduct, and Curtis, who was the dissenting judge in the Dred Scott case and one of the most eminent jurists in American history, made the argument that has been called absurdist, namely that when you read the text of the Constitution, bribery, um, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, uh, other really means that crimes and misdemeanors must be of akin akin to uh, treason and bribery. And he argued very successfully, winning the case, that uh, you needed proof of an actual crime. It needn't be a statutory crime, but it has to be criminal behavior, criminal in nature. And uh, the allegations in the Johnson case were much akin to the allegations here, uh, abusive conduct, uh, obstructive conduct, and that lost. Uh, so I am making an argument much like the argument made by the, the great Justice Curtis, and to call them absurdist is to you know, insult one of the greatest jurists in American history. The argument is a strong one. The Senate should hear it. I'm uh, privileged to be able to make it. I have a limited role in the case. I'm only in the cases of counsel on the constitutional criteria for impeachment. I'm not involved in the strategic decisions about witnesses or facts, but I will make a strong argument that Justice Curtis was correct and the Congress was wrong and, in impeaching for these two articles. As, as you know, the House materials have cited crimes that, that were crimes that were committed as well. But they weren't elements. So they are not articles of impeachment. But the articles of impeachment are two non-criminal actions, namely obstruction of Congress and abuse so of power. Me, and those are have, what have to be voted on by the Senate. Let me press that, though. Is it your position that President Trump should not be impeached even if all the evidence and arguments laid out by the House are accepted as fact? That's right. Uh, when you have somebody who, for example, is indicted for a crime, let's assume you have a lot of evidence, but the grand jury simply indicts for something that's not a crime, and that's what happened here. You have a lot of evidence, disputed evidence, could go both ways, but the vote was to impeach on abuse of power, which is not within the constitutional criteria for impeachment, and obstruction of Congress. Uh, those are both the kinds of things that led Hamilton and Madison, talk about nightmare, to regard that as the greatest nightmare. Uh, number one, giving Congress too much power uh, to allow the president to serve at the will of Congress. And number two, as Hamilton put it, the greatest danger is turning impeachment into a question of who has the most votes in which house. And rather than having a consensus and a broad, a broad view of impeachable conduct. The brief. So, Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. The brief filed by the president's attorneys last night asserts several times that the president did nothing wrong with Ukraine. Do you agree with that? I didn't sign that brief. I didn't even see the brief until after it was filed. That's not part of my mandate. My mandate is to determine what is a constitutionally authorized criteria for impeachment. And I strongly believe that abuse of power is so open-ended. Half of American presidents in history, from Adams to Jefferson to Lincoln to Roosevelt, have been accused by the political enemies of abusing their power. So there you have it, folks. Democrats have nothing. Nada. Silp. Sitch. Whatever. So on to 2020. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. Andrew Yang. You know what? We'll just go with... We'll go with Elizabeth Warren. That's who we'll start with. Uh, she was at an Iowa caucus... And she got confronted by Father of the Year. Um, basically, the dude brings up the total logical point that if you're going to pay for everybody's, uh, you're going to pay for everybody's student debt loans and pay them back. Why would you not pay the people that have already paid off their student loans and debt? So the uh, father basically says, "Hey, 
Am I going to get my money back? She says flat out no. And he's like, why not? It's like, because you already paid. So then he goes into the obvious, like, well, I saved my money. I prioritized my daughter's uh, schooling. And then uh, my friend, who makes more money than I do, went on vacations, you know, bought yachts and cars and all this other shit. And uh, why am I not going to get my money back? And she just basically laughed off, laughed him off and walked away. Uh, the audio is pretty bad or else I'd play it. But that's basically what is just the cogent, like, why? Why are you not being fair to everybody? But if I had to vote for anybody, and if you forced put a gun to my head and made me vote for somebody, uh, it'd be Andrew Yang. Even though I don't like his universal basic income, he's probably the most cogent speaker and most level-headed. Uh, couldn't go with Bernie, even though he's a consistent guy. Um, he's consistently bad. Joe Rogan getting... Um, blasted on all the liberal woke school media sites trying to cancel him because he endorsed Bernie Sanders and Joe Rogan is apparently a homophobe, transphobe, sexphobe, all those other phobes. So he's an everything phobe. So Joe Rogan of all people. Uh, so uh, here's a little mashup with Andrew Yang uh, talking about, you know, making sense. Just making sense. Congressional approval rating last I checked was something like 17%. And Americans don't trust the media networks to tell them the truth. The media networks didn't do us any favors by missing the reason why Donald Trump became our president in the first place. Trump voters we talk to here like the economy and low impeachment. They credit Trump with the former and blame Democrats for the latter. If you turn on cable network news today, you would think he's our president because of some combination of Russia, racism, Facebook, Hillary Clinton and emails all mixed together. In Blair County, Pennsylvania, the impeachment of Donald Trump isn't hurting the president. No, I love him. Supporters say it's healthy. I think what they're doing is completely wrong. And I will vote for him in the coming election. But Americans around the country know different. They're going to help him get reelected, actually. Voters here are predominantly white, working class, strong in their conservative beliefs. What do you think this will do for Democrats? I think just put a nail in their coffin. We blasted away 4 million manufacturing jobs that were primarily based in Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Missouri. I just left Iowa. We blasted 40,000 manufacturing jobs there. The more we act like Donald Trump is the cause of all of our problems, the more Americans lose trust that we can actually see what's going on in our communities and solve those problems. And how would you say the economy here is in Altoona? It's, it's good. Uh, you know, it's not uh, people celebrating boom days, but it feels like the kind of long-term steady growth. At Blair Image Elements, they make signs all of us see. But what critics see as clear evidence of presidential abuse of power, CEO Philip DeVorah sees as just the same old polarized Washington politics that moved him to vote for Trump in the first place. If it did anything, it would make me want to support him more. What we have to do is we have to stop being obsessed over impeachment, which unfortunately strikes many Americans like a ball game where you know what the score is going to be. The impeachment process in any way going to change your outlook or support of this president in 2020? No, um, you know, it just makes me, I guess, more convinced that we need more outsiders in Washington. And start actually digging in and solving the problems that got Donald Trump elected in the first place. We have to take every opportunity to present a new positive vision for the country, a new way forward to help beat him in 2020, because make no mistake, he'll be there at the ballot box for us to defeat. The president's continuing course of conduct constitutes a clear and present 
danger to democracy in America. We cannot allow this misconduct to pass. It would be a sellout of our constitution, our foreign policy, our national security, and our democracy. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield back. And one final thought before I just start ripping and roaring through the rest of the articles here. Uh, uh, Trump doing the getting rid of the birthers uh, statute where people do basically birth tourism, where a, a female will be seven, eight months pregnant, eight months pregnant, fly over to the United States and then have a baby that gets U.S. citizenship. Uh, Going to be more scrutinous. And then AOC, like I don't even know why I mentioned her. I should probably stop. Uh, she's like, oh. Now this administration's attacking the pregnant people. Meh. And then uh, the guy has the, the best re response ever. Oh, I was told by the left that uh, pregnant women didn't matter. Uh, or babies in the womb don't matter. Uh, just in case uh, voter IDs is something you don't uh, think about or you think are racist, Illinois Dems admit mistake allowed non-citizens to vote in 2018. Uh, Illinois primary less than two months away. A spokesman for the Illinois State Board of Elections admitted that non-citizens of the United States may have may legally voted in the 2018 election because a new automatic voter registration process implemented in the state. Uh, 574 non-citizens were inadvertently registered to vote in Illinois. And we do know that some of them voted. He surmised that some may have been legal citizens who incorrectly filled out the state form, although it appears that not uh, all the problem was that Illinois permits non-citizens to obtain driver's license, which is what they did in New York as well. Uh, Democratic Secretary of State Jesse White's office acknowledged the mistake in a letter to the State Board of Elections. Uh, spokesman Henry Hopped of White Office, White House office stated, or White's office stated, for whatever reason that technological programming error did not properly remove the individuals. Uh, yeah, right. Because uh, illegals vote Democrat. That's why you want them. Uh, or applying for driver's licenses or inadvertently pulled into the automatic uh, voter registration. So, yeah, you're going to see that in New York. You're going to see that in California. You're going to see that in Texas. You're going to see that in Chicago. Um, you're going to see that in all, like, high immigration places. Um, yeah, you're going to see all that fun stuff. Speaking of corruption, Puerto Rican mayor and two others arrested on corruption charges. So, apparently, um, the tit-for-tat uh, swath back whenever Hurricane Maria hit, the Puerto Rican islands, Trump was getting lambasted. Uh, if you remember or recall correctly, there was some stupid lady on TV yelling about how Trump didn't support and uh, wasn't uh, sending the uh, supplies. And then it come to find out there was warehouses full of supplies that the Puerto Ricans stumbled across um, uh, because they decided to hold on to the supplies for some reason. A mayor and two former government officials in Puerto Rico face public corruption charges in a separate case that involves a total of $8 million in federal and local funds. Uh, suspects are the mayor of a southwest town of Sabana Grande and the former directors of finance for the northern town, uh, which has struggled to play its employees. Whatever. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba, U.S. attorney. Da -da 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 -da, whatever. Now, the, there is a goddamn warehouse full of, um, full of supplies. That they just left. And then uh, people just kind of, I think there was another storm that passed through. So they were doing welfare building checks and they found all these supplies stuck in Puerto Rico. Um, so now it's the Puerto Ricans. Trump's right again. Yay. Speaking of Trump's right, uh, legal board of crossings fall a staggering 90% in Arizona following Trump's policy change. Um, yeah, in, over one year. Uh, because of the fact that the 
uh, immigrants have to wait in Mexico vice the United States. Last winter, a record number of illegal border crossers were apprehended in the Arizona sector, United States-Mexico border, with 60,000 migrants taken into Texas border protection custody in December of 2018. That was the beginning of a surge of migrants crossing the United States southern border. By May of 2018, the Border Patrol was recording a record number of apprehensions, uh, sometimes topping 100,000. Uh, over 50,000 people were arrested for trespassing in Mexico in December. Marks the third month in a row that more than 50,000 people have illegally crossed in the U.S. Another 10,000 people who tried to enter through the ports were told they lacked documentation to do so. Uh, illegal immigrants' apprehensions in the southern border have skyrocketed since Trump's first few months in office, when 15 to 20,000 people were reported being apprehended per month. Apprehended per month in Arizona alone, the Border Patrol was registering around 14,000 apprehensions per month by May of 2019. But in October, there were only 800 apprehensions. In the December of 2019, uh, the streak kept up and apprehensions dropped about 90%. Border Patrol credits Trump's administration's new Remain in Mexico policy, which requires those who want to seek refuge from violence and disorder by immigrating to the United States stay south of the border until their asylum claims come before a judge. Before that policy took effect, asylum seekers were given a piece of paper with a court date and then released in the United States to stay with friends or family until they had to appear before a judge. By the time their cases rolled around, sometimes two or three years after apprehension, most asylum seekers were in the wind, impossible to find, and well integrated into American life. The rest of Border Patrol's Yuma sector nearly hit 14,000 in May when a policy to make asylum seekers wait in Mexico took effect there. By October, they fell 94% to less than 800 and have stayed there since, making Yuma the second uh, slowest of the agency mine, nine sectors of the Mexican border, just ahead of the perennially quiet Big Bend sector in Texas. So, good job. I don't know if those numbers made sense. It seems like they talked back and forth to each other. Uh, hmm, moving right along. Uh, good news, uh, British scientists may have accidentally found the cure for cancer, and in bad news, the coronavirus is going to kill all of us. Um, apparently, uh, the last pandemic was in 1919, the SARS. Uh, SARS is what coronavirus is basically mimicking, mimicking, but the last pandemic was H1N1, which killed quite a few people, 650,000 in the United States, and they're saying, I think, over 60, 65 million worldwide, and that's the guesstimate. For the coronavirus, it's already in France, United States, Canada, I think, all over China. And China's going through lockdown in Wuhan uh, to stop that. Um, but, yeah. But back to good news. British may have accidentally found the cure for cancer. Uh, researchers at Cardiff University were analyzing blood from a bank in Wales looking for immune cells that could fight bacteria when they found an entirely new type of T-cell. It's going to turn you into a zombie. Uh, the new immune cell carries never-before-seen receptors which act like a grappling hook latching onto most human cancers while ignoring healthy cells until it latches onto your Abdullah oblongata and makes you a zombie. Uh, what makes this new discovery so exciting is that the prior therapies referred to as CAR-T and TCRT therapies which use immune cells to attach to HLA molecules on cancer cells serve as fight cancer but are incapable of fighting solid tumors. As the Telegraph points out, HLA molecules vary in people, but the new therapy attaches to a molecule called MR1, which does not vary in humans, which gives it a chance of fighting most cancers and additionally means people could share the treatment, allowing banks of the cells to be stored and thus be offered quickly to people suffering from the disease. Immune cells from the new treatment have killed lung, skin, blood, colon, breast, bone, prostate, ovarian, kidney, and cervical cancer cells, the study stated. Uh, the study concluded, in summary, we described a TCR that exhibits pan-cancer recognition via the variant MR1 molecule and by equipping patent, patients with melanoma, T-cells that lack detectable cancer, 
reactivity with the MC blah blah blah. We rendered the T cells capable of killing autologous melanoma. Good for them. Uh, yeah, uh, apparently a Christian school, well, the media said, a Christian school uh, expelled a kid for baking a rainbow cake. Obviously, the kid was a douche, and it was the one of many reasons why the kid got kicked out. Uh, so, fuck off. Um, yeah, who knows? Uh, 21 Saudi students to be expelled after a Pensacola attack and the fact that they found good old pedos uh, on the on the thing. Thanks, Saudi. And then last but not least, New York Times runs cover for James Comey as DOJ reportedly investigates whether he illegally leaked classified information. Uh, as it broke news Thursday of the Department of Justice investigating former FBI Director James Comey over leaks of classified information, the New York Times is quick to note the possible political nature of the probe, contrasting it with how it has handled probes into Trump and associates of damning case. Yeah, of course it's of course it's a political probe when you're going after Comey, but, you know, totally justified when going after the Trumpkins. In a tweet, uh, U.S. prosecutors appear to be scrutinizing whether James Comey illegally disclosed classified secrets as part of an unusual inquiry into years-old leaks that leaves law enforcement officials open accusations of politicizing their work. The Times notes in the article, prosecutors and FBI agents typically investigate leaks of classified information around the time they appear in the news media not years later. Ooh, way to go, news. Way to go, New York Times. Uh, the leaks in question happened in 2017, according to the Times, which referred to articles it published in May of that year. James Comey had been fired. Like, how was he going to get investigated by his fucking Democrat boys? Uh, and they're still kind of Democrat boys. Yeah, if you're going to listen to any of the podcast, uh, listen to Dan Bongino uh, and listen to Ben Shapiro. Like, they cover this pretty well. Uh, I'm a regular ingester, as you can tell, of those uh, two individuals. Hey, uh, the leaks in question happened in 2017, uh, which referred to articles that published in May of that year. Comey had been fired by Donald Trump earlier in the month. His friend Andrew McCabe had been tasked to run another winner, tasked to run the FBI in his stead. Of course, he wasn't an investigation into Comey. His loyalists were still running the FBI. Duh. The argument can be made that the original non-investigation was itself political, but the Times doesn't see it on that way, or doesn't even touch on it. Uh, the collusion hoax was, hoax was started. When the Hillary Clinton campaign working with the DNC paid law firm that hired opposition research company to work with a retired foreign spy, to Christopher Steele, to produce a thoroughly discredited dossier, Steele dossier. That's the height of the politically motivated investigation. The Times, of course, would never admit that. Once again, it shows how biased you truly are. Uh, buh, 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 buh. That's fine. All right, cool. That's, that's it. That's the news. Um, enjoy. Uh, God bless you, Kobe. It fucking sucks, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. That's about it. Enjoy the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. God bless you, Kobe. Hug your family and friends. And I will see you next week with a guest. Bye.
Our natural unalienable rights are now considered to be a dispensation of government. And freedom has never been so fragile, so close to slipping from our grasp as it is at this moment. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. You and I are told in creating is a left or right. There's only an up or down. Man's own old age dream, the ultimate in individual freedom consistent with law and order, or down to the ant heap of totalitarianism. And regardless of their sincerity, their humanitarian motives, those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. In this vote harvesting time, they use terms like the great society, or as we were told a few days ago by the president, we must accept a greater government activity in the affairs of the people. But they've been a little more explicit in the past, and among themselves, and all of the things I now will quote have appeared in print, these are not Republican accusations. For example, they have voices that say, the Cold War will end through our acceptance of a not undemocratic socialism. Another voice says the profit motive has become outmoded. It must be replaced by the incentives of the welfare state. Or our traditional system of individual freedom is incapable of solving the complex problems of the 20th century. Senator Fulbright has said at Stanford University that the Constitution is outmoded. He referred to the president as our moral teacher and our leader. And he says he is hobbled in his task by the restrictions of power imposed on him by this antiquated document. He must be freed so that he can do for us what he knows is best. And Senator Clark of Pennsylvania, another articulate spokesman, defines liberalism as meeting the material needs of the masses through the full power of centralized government. Well, I, for one, resent it when a representative of the people refers to you and me, the free men and women of this country, as the masses. This is a term we haven't applied to ourselves in America. But beyond that, the full power of centralized government, this was the very thing the Founding Fathers sought to minimize. They knew that governments don't control things. A government can't control the economy without controlling people. And they know when a government sets out to do that, it must use force and coercion to achieve its purpose. They also knew, those founding fathers, that outside of its legitimate functions, government does nothing as well or as economically as the private sector of the economy.